0: Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to uh, be with you and to be able to carry on in this series on the Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, Heaven is a place on Earth. And uh, how great to see Chris. Um, For some of you who are new to the church, Chris uh, was part of our church for a number of years and a really valued part. She's kind of she she's on. um, I'm hoping it's temporary time, however many years that is uh, doing some work in in, uh, Coventry now. Who knows? Um, But Chris is very much considered part of the family And we are so thankful that she could join us and read So this series that we've been looking at It's been uh, hopefully very encouraging for you Um, But I think in a way today takes a little bit of a turn uh, And it's a really challenging subject Jesus is telling these parables uh, To help us to understand probably what is the most important thing that we can ever understand as human beings, and it's this. Uh, To come to terms with the idea that the earth that we live in is actually, whether we consider it or not, it is God's kingdom. Uh, And God has determined that he will restore his kingdom to be what it should be. Um, And that the whole of the story of human history is the journey for God to restore that kingdom to be as it ought to be and so for us really understanding the nature of that kingdom understanding where we sit in it what our relationship is with that kingdom whether we believe that that kingdom exists what the future of that kingdom is is just such an important thing for us to consider and this particular parable really nails I think a subject which is particularly hard. Uh, for a Western mindset to engage with, Uh, a modern Western mindset, the idea of justice and judgment. Ash Ash used a a word to describe the the kingdom last week, and it was entrusted. Uh, This week, I would say that the kingdom of heaven is just. Uh, And as we work through this particular parable today, I think what we're going to see is that uh, this idea of the just kingdom of heaven confronts in some way every single human being, no matter what culture, no matter where they are in history, no matter where we are in geography or upbringing, in one way or another, it confronts us. It challenges us. It causes us uh, to, to, to consider and to think, and what we have said on a number of occasions is that Jesus tells these parables in incredible kind of gritty rooted down to earth uh, situations that people would would understand in a, in a moment when they first heard it. When Chris read, she read from the beginning of the chapter, which sets the scene where Jesus is in a boat and he's speaking out across, I can imagine it to be a perfectly still uh, lake. Uh, And he he might be 15, 20 meters out into the water. uh, And then there is a huge crowd on the shore listening to him speak. And the parable is really very, very simple. It talks about the idea of of a fisherman and the idea that the kingdom of heaven is like a net, which is let down into a lake, which catches many, many fish. Uh, And when it's full, the fishermen pull the net up onto the shore. Uh, And then they sit and they collect good fish and they save the good fish. And then they throw the bad fish away. This is how it will be at the end of the age, Jesus says. The angels who are represented by the fishermen will come and separate the wicked from the righteous uh, and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's one of those... Uh, Parts of the Bible, which I think many people would understand that the Bible talks about this idea of an end judgment. But it's remarkably accessible for the people who are listening. If you imagine they're standing on the shoreline, it's very possible that when they look down onto the ground, they might have seen the result of the very activity that Jesus is describing. They might have seen the result of maybe... Uh, the remnants of the fish that had been thrown away trodden into the ground. The very act of the fishermen separating out the good fish from the bad fish is precisely what Jesus uh, is describing in a way which they would get straight away. Uh, and, And I think that the hearers at that time would probably have instinctively found comfort in the idea of judgment which would probably be different to us the idea of uh of of the wicked being thrown into a blazing furnace maybe we need to to unpack that a little bit i think some commentaries that i've read tend to suggest that the idea of the blazing furnace is not so much the the medieval idea of the um the devils with pitchforks prodding people into a furnace, but rather it's the idea of the place where rubbish is consumed. It's thrown into a fire which is continually burning, uh, and the rubbish is separated out. It is considered of no value and is consumed. Uh, And look at the description, which I think we can relate to. There is weeping and teeth grinding this parable as jesus tells it i think it says to us really we need to talk about justice and judgment we've got to because jesus tells this parable and he's describing the kingdom of heaven uh, as something which has a real end point uh, for the, for the earth as we know it a moment at the end of time when judgment becomes if you like a motif or a recognition of the kingdom. So the first thing I want to understand and and think through for a few minutes is this idea of uh, judgment and justice. The first thing I want to say is this. The kingdom of heaven executes effective justice. Effective justice. One of the features of our human experience is undoubtedly that we seek justice. In fact, injustice is part of the story of human tragedy. Injustice is a terrible thing. Justice is actually what we look for. Um, Maybe I'm a little bit of a a, a saddo, but but I'm an absolute sucker for police procedural documentaries. And um, there's a series on Channel Four. It's called Catching a Killer, um, where it, it, they follow Thames Valley Police working through a murder inquiry. One of the recent ones that I watched on Catch Up was the the, the story of a uh, an older Hong Kong lady who'd moved over to the UK, um, incredibly hardworking with her husband, uh, and she was she was killed during a robbery. She actually was able to live. Uh, she, she was injured during the robbery and she was able to give a statement to the police. And some days later, she died. It was a tragic story. Um, that robbery was conducted by a young man who ran away from the uh, from the property laughing. The end result of that police inquiry, which, which took an unusual turn, you you know, we watch these programs and we hope for justice, but this one took an unusual turn. The end result of that particular um, inquiry and that particular documentary was that the police could not gather enough evidence to charge those who appeared obviously guilty. One of the young men that they managed to capture on CCTV going into... um, uh, a thomas cook um, money exchange currency exchange office exchanging hong kong dollars which had been stolen is not enough evidence it was it was a tragedy and i suppose as you as you close in on that story as you complete that story there is a sense in which injustice almost makes you want to scream with desperation for justice to be fulfilled so often we see these kind of documentaries where there is success at the end and this was failure this this seemed as though uh, the wicked had got away with it this is one of the one of the themes of matthew actually when it talks about Justice. Matthew again and again he talks about justice and similar to the the old lady it's the weak and the vulnerable and the oppressed who Jesus is recognizing that the the judgment of God will come upon those who are, who are oppressing the weak and the vulnerable the downtrodden Jesus again and again is describing that justice will come So what this parable actually presents to us is the opportunity to imagine a world where no injustice ever goes unpunished, where true justice reigns. How can we say that? How can we assume that that can be the case? The reason that we can assume that that is the case is this, because because this happens at the end of time. It happens when there is a gathering together and that there is no injustice which is outside of the scrutiny of heaven. The parable says that this is exactly how the kingdom of heaven will be realized. Look at verse 49. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate The wicked from the righteous. No evidence is lost in the justice economy of God's kingdom. That should fill us in one sense with hope. It makes sense of so much of the rest of Matthew, so much of the rest of the unfolding storyline of the Bible. It makes sense of the Lord's Prayer which you might have learned, if you're old enough, you might have learned the Lord's Prayer in school. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, is that a hit and hope prayer? Is that the kind of statement that we hope it works out that way? No absolutely not. The, the great news about the kingdom of heaven is that that prayer is a prayer that we faithfully pray because we believe it will be fulfilled. That the kingdom that will come will result in the will of God being done on earth as it is now done in heaven. That's how the, the idea of this fulfillment of justice this effective justice is worked out do you know that affects us in our attitudes paul says it like this in romans chapter 12 and verse 19 he says this do not take revenge my dear friends do you feel as though you have been the victim of injustice? Do you feel as though somebody has got away with it? I'm not talking about the idea of us seeking true justice in this world. Of course, we should seek this, seek that. But Paul says, don't take revenge. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Why? Why does he say that? Does he say, "Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Suck it up. Imagine that it doesn't happen. Hasn't happened. No." He says, "This. Do not take refre- revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath." That is so humbling, isn't it? It's not for me to seek resolution. It's yes, we work to justice. We we work. For the redemption of the oppressed, those who are downtrodden, those who are weak, those who are vulnerable. That's absolutely what we should be fighting for. Justice in this world. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven justice looks like. But revenge? Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's faith. That's faith for us to say there is nothing that is going to pass in this world that is not recognized ultimately and eternally in the effective execution of justice in the kingdom of heaven. That's great news. But I want to ask a second question. What is justice? <laughs> so if the first The first answer is the kingdom of heaven executes effective justice. The second thing to suggest is this. The kingdom of heaven executes authoritative justice. What is justice? Who decides what is righteousness and wickedness? Who decides who are righteous and who are wicked? And again, this parable confronts every culture throughout history with the idea that this, the idea that morality is not relative. That's very often how we think about what is moral. We are constantly shaping and reshaping what is right, what is good, what is just, what is moral, what is ethical. But this isn't a new thing. Herodotus, the the famous historian from um, from the ancient world, recounted, whether it's true or not, it's certainly a sentiment which is recognized, that Darius asks some Greeks uh, how much they would need to be paid to perform cannibalism on their dead parents. There is utter horror. That is... Uh, Outrage! An outrage to the Greeks that he asks how terrible that uh, he, he should even consider that they would perform cannibalism on their dead parents. But then he speaks to another tribe, the Calatia tribe, uh, who actually did perform cannibalism on their parents. It was part of their culture. He asked them how much he would need to pay them To cremate their dead relatives. And there was equal horror and outrage. Darius concludes this, according to Herodotus. He decides that morality is shaped purely by the relative powers of the customs of the society that we live in. Do you know what? I think there's a huge amount of truth in that that morality is shaped by the culture and society that we live in we can see i think that kind of culture clash going on probably in the united states in a way that it went on 30 or 40 years ago in the uk the idea that um america is a christian country i don't think we think so much about the uk being a Christian country in quite that same way Uh, and so there is a constant conflict between uh, the democratic libertarian perspective the idea of uh, moral relativity and the idea on the other side the republican law-based mindset the imposition of the law of the Christian uh, community on the country and, and, and that culture battle that is going on is precisely the battle that Darius was recognizing that society shapes the moral uh, foundations of what is considered good, what is considered righteous, and what is considered wicked. Do you see how powerful that is? On the one hand, the Greeks consider cannibalism on parents anathema, hor- a horror, and um, cremation an absolute good thing. On the other hand, the Kalatia tribe saw cremation as a horror and cannibalism as a good thing. They had been shaped in those different ways. How does this parable speak into that human experience? How do we disentangle what is good and what is right from what is morally relative? How can we understand that? Well, this parable tells us everything in terms of that particular battle in less than a hundred words Jesus shapes uh, our thinking with regards to moral relativity once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down in the lake and it caught all kinds of fish the net is going down into the lake and catching. It's a picture of the world, isn't it? It's catching people from all kinds. All kinds of fish are caught, but do you see the critical thing? Do you see when it comes uh, when it comes uh, up with the full nets? It's not the fish that decide on what is right or wrong. It's not moral relativity between those who are caught up in the net. Rather, it is the judgment of the angels in the way that Jesus describes this parable. It is the coming of an authority and from outside of the world of the fish, which determines what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. It is the fishermen that come and say that fish is a good fish, that fish is a bad fish, get rid of it. It is is not the moral relativity of the people who are caught up at the last judgment who decide, well, maybe we'll make this good and maybe we'll make that bad. It is the authoritative justice of God from outside of this world who determines this is good. And this is evil. This is righteous. And this is wicked. In one simple picture, Jesus does two things. I think he recognizes that we live in a world where righteousness and wickedness rub along side by side. But when the net comes, when the final judgment comes, That moral relativism which the world has experienced for all of its existence, this is not a new thing. This moral relativism which the world experiences is all at once confronted with a new righteousness which comes from God. It's from outside of us which determines what it is. That's the picture that the kingdom of heaven displays. That realization, that understanding. So on the one hand, the kingdom of heaven executes effective justice, but it also executes authoritative justice. I think the third thing that we recognize is that in that, the kingdom of heaven's mechanism of justice confronts every single one of us, no matter where we are. There is none of us who can say I'm righteous, not one of us, the Bible says. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It seems to me that that picture that Jesus describes in this parable is precisely what the Old Testament has been speaking about. There is going to come a judge. I really would encourage you to listen to the Raging Prophet series if you haven't been able to, where we recognise that the coming of Jesus. Uh, recognizes that he comes once and then returns at the end of the age, but they are so interconnected in the idea of the Bible that Jesus coming once in the first place, even though he comes gentle, Jesus, meek and mild, he also, in that moment where he walks on the shore of Galilee, where he sits in a boat and he speaks to people, he comes in that moment as judge as well. He comes as judge and he says, none of you are righteous. He says, none of you are just. In fact, all of you are wicked because deep down in our hearts, there is that um, capacity, there is that tendency, there is that trait, which is the mark of our human uh, fallen state, which, which does not meet the standards that Jesus sets. And so whether we lean into a kind of a justice mindset, which says that there is laws that we don't keep and therefore uh, we fail, some of us will lean into that. We might have more of a tendency to seek righteousness and we recognize that we don't meet it. Or we might lean in the other direction. We say, no, The message is all about grace, and then we realize that we're not able to deliver the grace that God delivers to us. Either side, whether we have a tendency to more of a grace filled mindset, we might be offended by righteous justice, or whether we have a tendency to righteous justice and we're offended by grace. No matter what culture we're in, no matter where we are in the history of the world, we are confronted by the reality that we are all unjust and therefore wicked. So the question that the kingdom of heaven asks, this parable asks, is how might I know that I am righteous rather than to be discarded in judgment? How might I know that I can make that transition from that known experience of wickedness and unrighteousness to a place where I might be considered worthy to be retained and not to be cast out? Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, right at the end of Romans chapter 4, uh, going into chapter 5, it says this. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It's as though the judgment that we see at the end of the age in this parable takes place in Jesus. It's as though God says that end justice that moment where the good fish are separated from the bad fish, as the net is gathered up, where the wicked are separated from the righteous, I will already determine that Jesus is one of those bad, wicked fish. And he's delivered over to death for our sins. But he is raised to life for our justification. And it is in Jesus that we find that we are transformed, we are exchanged, we become righteous when we we are not righteous by nature. Verse one of chapter five says this therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer. As we watch this, whether you're watching live, whether you're watching on catch up, my prayer is that as we watch this, we might know the peace that comes from God through Jesus Christ when we know that we are justified. That brings a peace. When we know it now, we are confident that we will not experience The realisation that that justice was right when it's too late. The way this parable describes it is weeping and teeth grinding. I think that's talking mostly about the idea of the realisation that my way, my own justice, my own relative morality was never right. It was the justice of Jesus that was right all the time. And I rue the day for all of eternity where I realized that I had rejected that moral righteousness that is found in Jesus that I don't deserve. But he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Come to me, because whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. Come to me, because I will die so that you need not die, but I will live so that you can live. That is the great message of the just kingdom of heaven. And I pray that we might all know it.